Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be the Lord's Cup. Let's begin today in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning in the 36th verse, it says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. We find twice in this passage Jesus drinking from a cup. The imagery that Christ uses here is very important. He could have chosen any of her words, but he chose to describe his sufferings as drinking from a cup. In verse 39, we find him asking the Lord to let the cup pass from him. Then in verse 42, we see him saying that if the cup cannot pass from him, he will submit to the will of God and drink it. In other places in scripture, Jesus refers to his sufferings as drinking from a cup. In John 18:11, it says, Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then when James and John came with their mother to ask Jesus if they could sit on his left and right hand in his kingdom, we find another instance where he mentions the cup of suffering. Matthew chapter 20, verses 22 through 23 says, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup? that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. 
And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Andrew Murray was a great revivalist in the 1800s in South Africa. In his book on prayer from 1885, he speaks about this cup of suffering. He said, Jesus' expression, as rendered, let this cup pass from me, may have been based upon one of the Romans' methods of executing their own soldiers, who had been sentenced to death for various crimes. At times they would line them up on a high cliff and push them over one by one. Or if the purpose was simply to instill discipline where it had been lacking in battle, they might just push over only selected ones, such as every tenth man. A different method that involved the use of a cup was to line up the men who were to be executed and give the first man a full cup of hemlock or some other deadly poison that created great pain in accordance to the amount that he drank. If this first man had the courage, heart, and compassion, he could drink the full measure of the cup to its bitter dregs and suffer all the pains of the poison himself. If he did, the rest of the men would go free. If he did not, the next man must drink the poison also, and he had the same choice as the first man, to drink the full measure of the poison and suffer its pains for the rest of his companions, or he could let them suffer the pains of their portions of the poison. Each man to whom the cup was passed had the same choice. The symbolism of this and the cup that our Lord spoke of is clear. The Lord became the one who drank the full measure of the cup, and the wrath of God for the sins of humanity, so that we could all go free. He could have passed the cup to us and let us endure the wrath of God for our sins, but he drank fully of it on our behalf. Christ took the wrath of God upon himself that we deserved, so that we could enjoy God's mercy and grace instead. We saw earlier in Matthew 26, 39, that Jesus asked the Father to let the cup pass from him. We see his humanity in this verse. He was fully God and fully man. As a man, he knew what was coming, what suffering he must endure, and he was naturally averse to suffering and pain. He knew this was not part of the plan, not part of the will of God. This is why he began by saying, If it be possible, and ended with, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Then in verse 42 he says, Thy will be done. He knew the Father's will for his life. And it was in that he was fully God, that he had the strength to not pass the cup, but to drink the full measure of the cup down to its bitter dregs. Jesus knew the purpose of his life. He knew why he had come to earth, and it was no different in the Garden of Gethsemane. He still knew that he came to be the Redeemer of all mankind. In the Garden, we see the manifestation of his human nature and his God nature. John chapter 12 verses 27 and 28 say, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. He drank the cup, not for his sake, but for the sake of others and for the glory of God. And we benefit from that today. There's also another important reason why Jesus used the imagery of the cup to describe his upcoming sufferings while he was in the garden. There is a connection between the cup 
and the Passover feast. When we read Matthew 26, when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we must remember that him and his disciples had just come from eating their Passover meal, the Last Supper. It was during this time of feasting that they would naturally be drinking cups of wine. During the time that they were living and at the time that they held their Passover meal, the custom was that everyone at the table would usually share one large communal cup. The tradition held that when the cup came to the place where they were reclining, they had to drink from it as deeply as they could before they could pass it on to the next person at the table. Before they could let this cup pass, they had to drink deeply from it. If the cup became empty as it was being passed around, it would be refilled before being passed on to the next person. Many times, at the bottom of the cup would be the bitter dregs from the wine. If they were the one who had to empty the cup, they had to drink the bitter dregs as well before they could let this cup pass. So in Matthew 26.39, we find a paradox, which is just one small piece of a pattern of paradoxes that run throughout Scripture. We find Christ's human nature exemplified in that he was averse to suffering and sorrow and asked the Father to let this cup pass from him. In this connection to the Passover meal, we find his God nature exemplified. With this understanding, we can see that he is also praying, let me drink of it as deeply as I can. Let me empty it. Let me drain it. Let me drink all of it, even the bitter dregs at the bottom of the cup. This demonstrates his perfect submission to the perfect will of God. As a man, he wanted to pass the cup of pain and death, but as God, he wanted to drink its full measure. Psalm 75 and 8 says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture, and he poureth out of the same. But the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. All the strength of the bitter herbs is kept in the dregs. They were intensely bitter. No one would drink the dregs unless they were forced. The bitter dregs were set apart to be the portion of the wicked. When Christ drank the full measure of the cup, he drank it all the way down to the bitter dregs. The dregs were punishment for sin, and Christ drank them on our behalf, even though they were intensely bitter. The most intense part of suffering was his separation from God. Once God is removed completely from the picture, there is no sweetness, there is only bitterness. The key is that we need to accept that Christ drank the full measure on our behalf. Otherwise, our portion will still be the bitter dregs. Psalm 11 and 6 says, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Even though this is the portion of the wicked and the people who live without God and call evil good and good evil, there is an opportunity for forgiveness. We serve a God of second chances, and it's no different when dealing with the portion of the cup. We find this exemplified in Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 51. In Isaiah chapter 51, beginning in the 17th verse, it says, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling, and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth. Neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? Desolation and destruction and the famine and the sword. By whom shall I comfort thee? 
Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord and thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down, that we may go over. And thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. We find in this passage that Israel had provoked the Lord, and they now had to drink the bitter cup of the Lord's wrath. God knew they had had enough. Verse 20 says, They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. We see God's forgiveness shown to the Israelites. We find here a demonstration of God's mercy and his grace. We find his mercy in verse 22, when he says, Thou shalt no more drink it again. Then we see his grace in the same sentence in the beginning of verse 23, when he says, But I will put it into the hand of them that afflicted thee. We find the Israelites not getting what they deserve in verse 22. And then we see them getting what they don't deserve in verse 23. And that's the difference between mercy and grace. God kept his word to the Israelites. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 2 says, God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Psalm 99 and 8 says, Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast the God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. The Lord never forsook Israel. He allowed them to have a drink from the cup for a season, but he never left them, and he brought justice in his perfect timing. Earlier, in verses 15 and 16, it says, But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Even though they were made to drink from the cup, God covered them, because they were his chosen people. And we see in Isaiah chapter 51 a prophecy that Jesus later fulfilled, and that he took our cup, and he took away the bitter dregs from being our portion, and took it upon himself. Today, we have been speaking about the cup of God's wrath. If we are to be true disciples of Christ, we need to be willing to drink of his cup. As we saw earlier in Matthew 20, Jesus said to his disciples, James and John, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup. We are called to share in his cup, but we are called to share in a different cup. Christ has already drunk the cup of wrath to his bitter dregs on our behalf, so we wouldn't have to. We know that wrath is not part of God's will for our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. God is offering us a different and a better cup, and he wants us to share in it with him. Psalm 16 and 5 says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The cup that God is offering us isn't the wrath that he took upon himself. It's the love, mercy, and grace that are now available to us because of his sacrifice. He himself and all those things which are a part of his character are our portion. We are to drink deeply of his love, his mercy, and his grace, 
we are to drink deeply of he himself, our Lord and Savior. His cup is also a cup of living water. When we share in his cup, we can draw from the wells of living water. Psalm 116 and 13 says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Salvation is in the cup. Eternal life is in the cup. And God's will for our lives is in the cup. We need to drink deeply of it. At the bottom of it, there are no bitter dregs. There is only sweetness. Drinking of this cup helps us to live our Christian life to the fullest of what it can be. We are called to drink of this cup. Isaiah 55 and 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. God wants everyone to drink of the cup, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is or what your prison is. God is calling you to drink of the cup. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even though we know that it is the Lord's will for us to drink, we still have a free will. We have a choice to make. God won't force us to drink. We need to make the choice ourselves. No one else can make it for us. Many choose willingly not to drink of the cup. We find an example of this in John chapter 4, when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. He had asked her for a drink, when in verse 10 it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Many don't drink of the cup out of ignorance. They don't realize to the full extent what they are being offered. After the woman at the well had spent time with Jesus, we find a change in her. She now desired to drink of the cup, but she realized what Christ was offering her. Verses 13 through 15 say, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Like this woman, we need to desire to drink. The way we get the cup is by calling on the name of the Lord. As we saw earlier in Psalm 116, 13, it says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. We take the cup by calling on him because we are told to ask and you shall receive. Taking and drinking are actions. They require effort to be expended on our part. Once we take the cup, we need to drink of it. We do this through spending time with God in prayer, studying his word, and most importantly, in our praise and worship of him. Our praise and worship is when we connect the most intimately with God and when we drink the most deeply from his cup. All the greatest things that God wants and has for us are in the cup. That is our portion. God himself is our portion. We need to make the choice today to take the cup and drink the full measure of it. God wants us to have the new wine of the covenant of grace, his living water. When we take and drink, we will be able to say with David, My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your cup, Lord. We thank you that you 
drank the cup of wrath to its bitter dregs, that you drank it on our behalf, Lord God, of its full measure, and that you didn't let the cup pass, but that you took it and drank all that there was to drink. Lord, we take the cup of salvation, we claim it in faith, and we drink deeply of it, the cup of living water of eternal life, of your salvation and healing power, Lord God. We thank you that you have made this cup available to us and that you have ordained for us a special and unique and peculiar portion for us, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for all that you do and have done and will do on our behalf, Lord God, and we thank you that others will realize their need for the cup, Lord God, and drink deeply of it for themselves, Lord God. Let this word spread and go throughout the earth that we are to drink deeply of your cup. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to drink of the cup of the Lord and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.